Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, this is Celine Williams hosting from Ontario for Canada's podcast. My guest today is Krista Halliday, who is a serial entrepreneur and founder of Ray Management Group. And she is on a mission to disrupt the brand and retail ecosystem as we know it. Welcome, Krista. Thank you. Thanks, Celine. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I'm, I have many questions, but the first question I'm going to ask is, can you tell us a little bit? So as your bio says, you're a serial entrepreneur. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to getting to where you are today and to doing what you're doing today? Yeah. I mean, it's a wild journey and kind of all over the place. So there's no real, you know, linear path, but um, absolutely. So my journey as an entrepreneur started uh, around 26, 27 years old. I was working and I'm really fortunate to have worked for some amazing corporate um, powerhouse brands, Revlon, Holt Renfrew, Rexall, really amazing um, people and companies. But something was always in me, actually, probably since a little girl of, I want to do more and I want to do everything and I want to learn everything. Um, I'm, I'm somebody who asks why a lot. And throughout my career, I noticed that there were a lot of big opportunities that people weren't really tapping into. And so my background um, was in retail, branding, buying, marketing, cosmetics, that whole world. And I noticed a really big opportunity for U.S. or international brands um, to come into the Canadian marketplace and launch at Canadian retailers. And oftentimes, you know, U.S. or any brands outside of the Canadian landscape don't really understand the differences. And there's a lot of them in the Canadian market. Um, and there's, there's, there's companies that do this, but um, not to the same extent or same degree. So I, I really noticed this opportunity. And I went to my boss at the time who was US based. And I said, listen, here's what I want to do. This is my vision. I'm going to do it. But I'm your only Canadian employee. Why don't I come off payroll and you pay me as a consultant? And that way there's no gap in the organization. I continue to do my job. Hopefully you think I'm doing it well and you can pay me less. And uh, after a few conversations, thankfully they got on board and they said, okay, let's do this. And that really started my journey as an entrepreneur. And, you know, it's taken many twists and turns along the way and many different companies along the way, but that's really, you know, the foundation of it. So I love that you saw an opportunity um, and a gap that you wanted to fill. And I'm curious, this is going to get very specific for a second, but yeah. when you're talking about like US brands, for example, that want to come into Canada and don't understand the market differences, which are real. The thing that immediately comes to mind is Target and Target yeah. coming into Canada. And it felt like they just assumed it's exactly like the US and we're just going to do the same thing. And I'm, and I'm not saying that is right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what it felt like as a consumer. And I'm curious as someone who understands branding and retail space in the way that you do, is that an example of someone who missed the mark in that way? Or have I 
completely come up with an example that is for com- other reasons not great. No, so um, you've nailed it on the head. I mean, that is the textbook example of not understanding a market and a consumer base. And, um, you know, I came in on the tail end of that target launch to try and help with it. But, um, you know, that's exactly what happened. It was just not understanding the market and the nuances in the market and thinking, hey, we have this big powerhouse brand in the US. It's uber successful. Canada's just north of us. Um, There's no reason that we can't make this a huge success overnight. And we all know that didn't work out really well. Well, and it's, it's, you know, I didn't know that you were involved in Target. So <laughs> unintentional. No, no, I came at the tail end. Totally but, get it. But it's, it's interesting because I, I also think that in a case like that, um, and this may not always be the case, there was, I think also Canadians were so excited about it because they knew what Target was in the US. Mm-hmm. I don't think that is always the case and i'm i'm curious when you're doing the work that you're doing outside of coming at the tail end of target how often are you is there an element of education for the market itself in canada there's a huge element of education and in fact what we do is interesting because we take on the brands as if we are the brand owners And usually nine times out of 10, when a brand owner in the US realizes or we're able to show them and provide them that education on how the market is different, they get it and they say, okay, you know what? Like, we're not going to try and accomplish um, what needs to happen for success in the market. We're going to hand it over to you and you guys do all the selling, you know, logistics, all of the marketing operations, um, because we are not market experts. Hmm. Now, you know, like Target, it's happened before where we have brands who say, no, we're doing a great job and we're going to do all of that. And I can tell you, they, they end up in, in the same place as Target quite often. Um. <laughs> It's so it's it almost feels like no offense to Target or anyone else when mm-hmm. I say this, but it almost feels like the arrogance of we figured it out in one place. We're just fine to fit. It's, it's going to be the exact same. The States is huge. Obviously, we can if we figure it out here, we can figure it out anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there is I think when you're talking to any you know successful brand, you know, Target is a great example. We keep using it as, as an example. And I think it's a fantastic one because they've been in business for so long. They get it. They're a well-oiled machine. They've mastered their market and their and their retail landscape. And it makes sense, right? You know, just in theory, why would Canada be any different? But it is drastically different. Uh, the consumers are very different. The retail landscape is different, and it presents a ton of challenges. You know, even the simple like exchange rate, um, you know, logistics, 
operations, all of the things behind the brand um, really, you know, can lend its hand to a, a fast fail in the market. And there's a huge investment required to get into the Canadian market when you when you start thinking of, you know, bilingual packaging and a different formulation in health and beauty. You know, Canada has different regulations when it comes to cosmetics and body care and hair care. And if you don't understand all of the details around that, uh, you can be in and out of here pretty quickly. And, and that's a huge loss. Mm, yeah. And you really have one chance at succeeding. You know, a customer, customers are savvy. It's not like, you know, even 15, even 10 years ago. Um, they understand what's happening behind the brand. Social media has opened up this whole world of education to people when it comes to brands and education. And so if they see you on shelf and you're not doing the right things, they're not going to pick up your product. And uh, if you're not talking to the right consumers that you're going after or treating them in a way that they understand the brand, they're just not going to purchase. Yeah. Um, I think that that, you know, it's really interesting. I think what you're saying about how social media has changed the landscape, it's not the only thing, but I think it has absolutely had more of an impact than a lot of, I would say, especially the larger, more established brands sometimes are even want to be aware of. I think if you're new and like all those brands that have exploded on TikTok in the last year or two, for example, I think they're hyper aware hyper aware mm -hmm. of the importance of social media and the impact it can have good and bad and i think a lot mm -hmm. of the bigger brands are like it's not a thing i have to worry about yeah absolutely and i would disagree a hundred percent it's absolutely something you have to worry about because gone are the days where you're looking to your mom for a recommendation on a product or your aunt even a friend like you, a friend may mention a brand and you're going to go look it up. You're going to research it. You're going to understand what they're all about. You're going to know who the CEO is and what the product's made of before you decide to leverage your purchasing power. And, um, you know, for me as a consumer, you know, my mom is like Dove soaps, my favorite soap, right? I've been using it for years. I don't need anything else. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But, you know, what does Dove do? What what are they doing behind the brand? What are their advertising campaigns? What are their goals? Um, how, and she's like, I don't know. I have no idea. I just know it's a great product and I've been using it for 40 years. So I, I'm not going to change my product. That does not exist anymore. There is no brand loyalty. Yeah. Uh, it's. I love that you said that because I, I have probably been saying that too long where I will often say like, I'm not a brand loyal person. I will like something until I find something that I like more, <laughs> generally yeah, speaking. Absolutely. And, yeah, I, and we're looking for something more, right? It's not even like, oh, we're happy with this product. You might be happy with it, but you could be in Whole Foods or Shoppers Drug Mart and you see something else that's shiny and new and you're immediately gravitated towards it. And it doesn't matter how long or how much you love that product. So I'm going to take a step back for a second um, yeah. into your journey uh, as a serial entrepreneur, um, where you saw an opportunity in the role that you had to become a consultant, change your your role, step externally, which sounds like whether or not the start of Ray Management Group was the start of being an entrepreneur and running your own businesses. Along the way, 
to get to mm-hmm. Ray Management Group, whether that was the that was the first or not. What were some of the um what was some of what were some of the challenges that you faced or lessons that you learned? And I ask this also specifically because I think the fact that you were dealing with US brands and American companies and in, in this kind of feet in both worlds lends itself to some pretty unique challenges and lessons and opportunities. And and I think that's really interesting for people to hear about. Yeah, definitely. Um, so learnings right off the bat would be know who you're working with. Yeah. Make sure that you are aligned as people, as human beings, um, have a similar value system. You know, regardless of the product, the people that you're working with have such influence on your everyday and your environment that I would say I'm much pickier today than I was 15 years ago on who I work with and what brands I work on. I'm I'm always reminded of that and have to go back to okay what are my values what are our company values what are we working towards we're actually working on creating a vetting system for that very reason um, because you know people in your everyday have such a huge impact on your well being um, that I think that is so key partnerships you know I used to have partners um, in my business. I I no longer do. We definitely have external partnerships um, and, you know, company incentives in in terms of partnerships. But when it comes to ownership partnerships, I think that those are really key. Again, it's like a marriage um, without ever being in love. So that's very difficult um, and lessons learned there. And then, you know, to answer your point around working with U.S. brands or just people from other countries, something that I learned very quickly and early on in my career is that I need to keep learning and I need to keep up to date with everything that's going on in in my business and in the country that I work and I operate in um, because you, you are expected to understand it to the fullest or at least have people on your team who do understand it. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you started with, you know, the people around you matter because I think Mm -hmm. that is so important, but also the easiest thing to overlook when you're just, especially starting out. And this is not a criticism when you're starting out, you need to take clients on. I get it, but it is the easiest thing to overlook. And I don't know Anyone who has not learned that at a certain point, some types of people become draining and they're not ideal clients. And that is not to keep making that choice when you don't have to, when you, I mean, I think that that is a really important point to emphasize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it comes and I've learned this, you know, as obviously throughout my career and as just as a person, you know, defining what success looks like for you and really identifying that early on can really help navigate because, yes, clients pay the bills and that matters and that's important. Um, But if you're if you're not in touch with 
what does success look like? Why did I start out doing this in the first place? You know, what are my short-term and long-term goals? Then you're going to just keep chasing clients to make money and money doesn't always equal success. Yeah. And so, you know, that's another, you know, tough lesson I've learned along the way. Yeah. And I think, I think having goals that include, I think a lot of business owners when they start, and we have a lot, you know, the audience that listens to Canada's podcast, there are a lot of entrepreneurs or people that want to be entrepreneurs. It's not, you know, they may not have started a business yet, but they're looking at starting one. I think we're often, we get focused on, let me set a financial goal, goal, let me set a profit goal, let me set a, you know, money as success. And we kind of stop there, right? Like if I, if I get this amount of funding, if I have this number of people working for me, if I make this amount of money, those become the goals. And that is often not the definition of success that actually makes a difference for us. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, rate management has evolved over time. It started off as another company called Global Edge Brands was structured very different, very different company values and highly successful company. Um, but, you know, the where the business was going and the type of work we're doing and the clients that we took on just did not sit well with me. And over time, over a long period of time, it slowly ate away at who I was and the whole reason I started. So I needed to take, you know, 10 steps back reset and restart. And that's a really hard thing to do when you have an uber successful company to say, this isn't for me. Um, I need to relook at my life, who I am and where I'm going and start over. Mm. And so I did that about 10 years into that company. And, and that was a really hard thing to do. And it took me, you know, 18 months before I, I, got the courage to to make that move and make that change. Thank you for sharing that. I think that I'm going to ask I want to ask a question about that. The the taking a step back and resetting and restarting whether or not you are an entrepreneur and you're doing that in a business that you're already running or you're in a corporate role and you you've you know you've been there for years but you know you need a change. I think that is a really specific challenge. And I think it's a really common challenge. And I'm curious for you how you went through that process. And if there's anything that you would tell someone who's listening that worked really well for you or didn't work for you, or, you know, that is a takeaway from your experience inside of that to help them, because I, I, I think it is extraordinarily common and yet we don't talk about it that much. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's really important to have deep self-awareness, understand when things are changing around you for 
the negative side of things. You know, little things would would start to be different. My I noticed I'm generally like a pretty patient person. I would become on edge. Um, constantly go, 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 go. Uh, you know, fitness and nutrition were important to me. They they took a wayside. Mm. Uh, family is important to me. And I wasn't seeing my family. I, I wasn't seeing my kids as, as much as I wanted to, you know, spending time in nature, all of these little things um, aren't little, right? They're, they're really important in your everyday. And over time, when all of these things start to diminish, it takes a toll on on who you are. And I was not liking myself. Mm. I wasn't liking who I was becoming. I wasn't enjoying my, my day to day. And was I making a lot of money? Absolutely. Way more than I'm making today. But if somebody asked me, you know, would you go back? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because success today looks very different to me. And I didn't define success back then. So it was really attached to revenue goals. And like you said, employee counts, and we had satellite offices here and there. And I was doing all of this lavish travel and staying in these great hotels and hanging out with these awesome, you know, who I thought were awesome people. And you know, we deal with celebrities. So from the outside, it looked like a picture perfect career, but I was unhappy and I needed that change. So today business is very different. Revenue is very different, but I have an amazing team. I am motivated to come to work every day. I love what I do and uh, it's, I, I'm a different person. There's a lot to be said for that intrinsic motivation because you enjoy what you do versus it looks successful from the outside or it looks a specific way being the yeah. dry or that unintentional rather being the driver of what makes us happy because those things are rarely the things that make us happy. Right. We, we all, we often go when I, when I, whatever it is, when I lose 10 pounds, I'm going to find the person I meant to be with. When I make a million dollars, I am going to be, all of my problems are solved and I'm going to be ha- whatever that external, I'm, you know, whatever it is. And yeah. that is rarely true. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that I hit every one of my, call it lavish goals. And uh, I was... I was probably the most unhappy I had ever been in my life. Um, And today those goals are very different. And you're the happiest. And that is a wonderful thing. I'm the happiest. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, Well, that is a beautiful place to wrap it up with with not wanting to change a thing. Is there anything that you would like to add before we wrap it up? Because I think that, you know, you not wanting to change a thing is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Uh, The only, I mean, you mentioned that a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs, you know, what I say a lot of time to people, we have this side of the business called fish food, where we take on, you know, community-based business and help them grow. 
And I ask people like, one, what does success look like for you? I think that's really important. You need to define that early on. Um, but also just because you're good at something doesn't mean you you know how or need to know how to run an entire business around it. Mm-hmm. You can be really great at something and there are other ways around it because sometimes when you start a business because you just really enjoy something, you actually don't get to do what you really enjoy. You're too caught up. And you have to be as a business owner in all of the day-to-day management that has nothing to do with what you really enjoy. So oftentimes, you know, I, I would suggest seeking out what are other ways to do what I really like to do, um, continue to put my efforts and energy into that and maybe make it more profitable. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um, to all of our listeners, you can find links to <clears throat> excuse me, Krista's company and to find Krista in the show notes. Um, and thank you for being my guest today, Krista. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and your experience. I think it's extremely powerful and the whole concept of defining success is going to be a huge takeaway for everyone who is listening. Cause I think it's incredibly important. So thank you for sharing your experience with that. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for those who are listening, thanks for listening to Can's podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to all the channels to get the latest podcasts from entrepreneurs across Canada.